0: Why didn't you tell me? You told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father.
1: Your father was seduced by the dark side of the Force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. When that happened, the good man who was your father was destroyed. So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. A certain point of view?
0: and welcome to episode 33 of Force Time. My name is Travis, and today I have a special guest with me, Alyssa Bradley. Alyssa, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining today. So today's episode is part three in my five-part series covering From a Certain Point of View, The Empire Strikes Back. For those of you unfamiliar with this book, it is a collection of short stories told from different characters' points of view throughout Empire, including the Wampa, the Emperor, and even the cave on Dagobah, which we are going to talk about today. I'm so excited about. The first From a Certain Point of View book was released a couple years ago, celebrating the 40th anniversary of A New Hope, and so it's so cool that we got another one of these for Empire, and I'll be so excited for the next one, Return of the Jedi. So, right now in star wars the the high republic just released like this week and so I think this is kind of like a microcosm for how I am as a person that I'm always like 10 books behind that like I'm still talking about from a certain point of view Uh, that came out in November. The High Republic's here and I'm just like so behind on my books in general. And so that's just how the show is. That's how it's going to roll. So that's what we're going to dig back into today. So before we get into this, today's guest Alyssa is an artist, fangirl of all trades, geek fashionista night sister of the galactic coven and the art director for the incredible looking for leia series and we actually met last year at galaxy's edge when you were there with the looking for leia crew and that's kind of how we connected in the first Mm -hmm. place so excited to get to talk to you today but first i would like to ask what is your star wars story how did you get into it what's the history there
2: yeah, so my Star Wars story is basically I'm one of those people that like can't remember a time without like I can't remember a time in my life without Star Wars. <laughs> like, I think I was probably like four ish when I saw The New Hope for the first time. Um, my dad was like a huge Star Wars geek, um, and so he introduced me to it. So I grew up watching the original movies, and then I think around that time too it was like when they re released it in like the 90s or whatever. So that was kind of when I was into it. Um, and then I fell out for a little bit, and then when the prequels came out, uh, kind of got excited for it again, and that was kind of like my resurgence of love for it. But yeah, so and then even I think, yeah, like around when the prequels were coming out, so even like Revenge of the Sith, I think that's like around the time when I met my husband now, um, and so he was really into Star Wars, and like we did like lightsaber fights together in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so then we ended up having a lightsaber battle for our. Uh, wedding instead of a first dance but so yeah so like so basically like he was the one that I really connected with Star Wars with and I wasn't really in fandom at all you know I kept up with the new movies and uh, Clone Wars and all that stuff and it was kind of just between like me and him um, and my dad Um, but I didn't get into fandom until like the last couple years really like around when I started working on Looking for Leia actually that's how I was like, oh, there's a Star Wars Twitter. Like <laughs> there's people, there's people on here that are like about Star Wars. Um. So yeah, so that's how I got connected with like you and everybody else really that I know and the fandom now. So that's been really awesome to kind of, you know, even though it's a thing I've loved my whole life to kind of like experience it with people for kind of the first time is really cool. So
0: yeah, 100%. Yeah. I agree. I, I was the same way with fandom. I didn't really get into it till The Last Jedi. And before that mm-hmm. kind of, kind of a loner in my fandom because Mm -hmm. none of my friends really liked it Uh, like my mom got me into it when i was really young Mm -hmm. but yeah it was it was nice to connect with people and meet new people and talk about it and really have that awakened again Mm -hmm. with that star wars love so that Mm -hmm. is uh that's really great and i i do have to say looking for leia was so awesome i'm definitely like really biased a, because I I met you all at the mm-hmm. Edge, but B, because my daughter was in the first episode. She yes. so had like a really small cameo. Yes, and, I love and that chat. I, <laughs> I, I, I just, I loved it. I watched mm-hmm. it so many times over the last year. And yeah, yeah so great, great work all around on that. Really, really great stuff.
2: Yeah, that project was absolutely incredible to work on. So I could talk for like 100 years about just that. But yeah, that yeah. was life-changing. Like the people I met, You know, the whole experience of that was totally life-changing. So
0: definitely. Maybe we'll have to schedule another uh, episode and and just talk about that. I (laughs) I can definitely listen to that for a while. So (laughs) I love it. So let's go ahead, let's get started. So here's how it's gonna work. So we have eight stories that we're gonna talk about. I've already done six the first sixteen stories. Of this book in our last two parts and so for this one we're getting into that next eight and i have to say this eight i think if there's a fifth of this book that i would pick as my favorite i think this is by far my favorite I, like every single story i was just blown away by and it has like my top five in it from the entire book so i'm so excited to to get into this so we're gonna give overall reactions and favorite lines. And then we're going to discuss on a one to 10 scale how differently we might view The Empire Strikes Back after reading this. And I do, I said it, I've said it 100 times, I said it on, on the last couple episodes, this is not a judge on how good these books are at all. And it's not really the point of any of these stories is to change how you look at it. But I just thought it was a very fun way to look at some of these stories. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. So are you ready to get started? Yes, let's uh, do it. <laughs>
1: So. so, what I told you was true from a certain point of view.
0: So, first up is Amara Kell's Rules for Tie Pilot Survival, probably by Django Wexler. So, this is Django's first time writing in the Star Wars galaxy. He is the author of the Shadow Campaign series, the middle grade fantasy The Forbidden Library, and the YA fantasy The Wells of Sorcery. His latest is his book Ashes of the Sun. So this story follows TIE fighter pilot Amara Kell as her and her squad patrol the area around the asteroid field searching for the Millennium Falcon. Amara details her rules to live by as a TIE pilot, but we find out in the end that she has broken her number one rule, which is don't get attached to anyone or anything as she has fallen for her fellow pilot, Hal. So Alyssa, what were your overall reactions to this story?
2: Um I really I really like this one. I have a soft spot for one tie fighters are like my favorite. <laughs> so I like learning more about them and about the pilots. Um and then two just like sassy, grumpy people that work for the empire like <laughs> I just love like getting that point of view. Uh yeah, so it was really great and I really shipped her and Hal very much. I thought <laughs> I thought yeah. the whole story was very sweet. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was a, it was definitely a great great dynamic between mm-hmm. those two and the rest of them I'm glad you said that about like liking the TIE fighters so mm-hmm. much I've never been like a huge ship person but I did find this story really interesting and mm-hmm. in that it really like simply explained the differences between the TIE like TIE pilots from different mm-hmm. eras and X-Wings from different eras and yeah it, it really made me feel like I knew something about the ships because I really don't know anything. Yeah, about the ships really. right, I'm like, oh, it's
2: pretty, and then <laughs> it's kind of yeah, the,
0: yeah. exactly. But if the story like didn't talk to me like I was dumb for not mm-hmm. knowing anything about ships, it like really plainly like, laid it out. So I really yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. It was like the most crude piece, I would say, if that's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. I think of all the all the stories definitely in this book, maybe one yeah. of the most in like all of Star Wars. And I won't get into like super details mm-hmm. uh on the show. But yeah, it's kind of like crude and kind of like I don't even know what I would compare it to within Star Wars. It's kind of just its own thing, which which made it mm-hmm. really, really unique. But yeah, it was it was a good story. I love the Exogorth tie-in, uh the yeah. image of one of the TIE f- fighter pilots like floating through space mm-hmm. as exegorth was getting ready to eat the pilot that was really good it just kind of reminded me of the mandalorian in the first episode where he mm-hmm. goes inside the crate dragon and has to come out it was kind of like yeah. that same like scenario so yeah i I thought, was, I thought it was a good one as well what was your favorite line from this one or paragraph
2: so uh my favorite line was uh where it says that sound like a cross between an angry beast and a grounder skidding on wet asphalt they say it drives some pilots crazy but i love it it's ugly and angry, perfect for the tie. I like. I love. Like I said, tie fighters are my favorite, and I love that sound. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that line. I was like, yes, that's exactly it. That is the best description I've ever heard of that. <laughs> so
0: that was so good. It was mm-hmm. very specific and like, yeah, way better. I I would have never been able to like write something like mm-hmm. that to describe that sound because it's it's so unique. But it is so cool. That is, if there's anything I really love about ships. Definitely the sound of the mm-hmm. tie fighter just just so great so yeah yeah it's uh, iconic (laughs) uh so mine was it was when they were speaking about not being a hero and not trying to go the extra mile for tie fighters because it never ends up going very well because Mm -hmm. the tie tie fighters just aren't that great like they're not built to protect people yeah they were
2: like described as cheap which i thought was really interesting yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) so It says, but there are always some who think they're going to make that turn, beat that blast door closed, dodge that rock, and then, well, crunch, boom, plastoid metal, the Emperor thanks you for your service, citizen. And I just, I love that it's not a person in Empire that was like, long live the Empire, like, I love what I do. Like, I want to take out those rebels. Like, no, I'm just trying not to get killed right Mm now. Yeah. (laughs) We see all the time in Star Wars, that tie fighter doing some stupid move or like calling the falcon and it gets hit because they try to go in this super small space like we see that all the time and i just love how this just like spelled it out and then that last line of yeah the emperor thanks you for your service because like mm-hmm. emperor doesn't doesn't care about these no people. So, so <laughs> not really at cool. all <laughs> so on a scale of one to ten how will this story make you view the empire strikes back differently
2: you, you should go first while i'm thinking okay. <laughs> so,
0: I, will, I will i have i have experience right on the rating scale here for a couple episodes so okay. I'll, I'll <laughs> so i gave this one a two because mm-hmm. we don't actually see this person in the movie and we don't really see like the situation we do see tie fighters mm-hmm. in the actual field a little bit but we don't see them like out just patrolling so we don't really see it but Every time a TIE fighter does something stupid from now on, I will probably think of (laughs) this exact story and that, like, exact quote as well.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think I'd do, like, a three or four. I feel like it gives me, like, a better perspective of just, like, the Star Wars universe as a whole instead of, like, specifically Empire Strikes Back. Because, like you said, like, you know, we don't really see it happening, but I feel like the insight into tie TIE pilots as a whole... It like illuminates that a little bit. Yeah,
0: so 100%. the world building throughout all these stories is, is mm-hmm. so, just gives you so much look at the everyday life of these low level empire workers and rebel mm-hmm. people. So, yeah, that's great. A certain point of view.
2: Uh, So the next story is The First Lesson by Jim Zub. Uh, This is Jim's first time writing in the Star Wars galaxy. He is a writer, artist, and art instructor who has worked for DC, Marvel, Disney, Hasbro, and Cartoon Network. Uh, His current comic projects are Conan the Barbarian, Dungeons & Dragons, and Stone Star. Uh, And so this story basically, this one is pretty short and sweet. It's basically just told from Yoda's point of view as he's kind of just like, hanging out on Dagobah and he senses Luke's arrival and like begins preparing for it and reflecting on that. So yeah, overall reactions.
0: Yes. Yeah. So like you said, it was very short, but very sweet. I really liked this story. I think it was, I think it was like five pages or seven pages or something, Mm -hmm. which is, which is kind of nice throughout this book. There's, there's a lot that are like 25 pages. Mm -hmm. To Get a short one to get like a little breather is always good. Mm -hmm. And this one, it was really good. And it did, kind of felt and i hate using the word plot hole i really just i don't know why that word like <laughs>
2: yeah it gets out.
0: misused <laughs> misused all the time but yeah. it does kind of fill in why yoda was acting so weird yeah empire strikes back mm-hmm. because in the context of a new hope empire strikes back return of the jedi it made pretty good sense you know it's just this and i think it was written specifically to throw the audience off to kind of you know flip everything on its head about what you know about the force or what you think you might know about these big jedi warriors that they've talked about uh so it kind of gives you that kind of fills in that that he's just messing with luke which i thought was really good and yeah. also about him noticing r2 which in Vampire strikes back that's another one where it's like so small but it's like yeah you like had all sorts of missions and stuff like he knew that was R2 and so the fact that he does internalize that he's like oh yeah that's R2 like that makes sense I thought that that was really good and then there's a lot of Leia a lot of Princess Leia talk throughout this story she's just in almost every story it seems like and in this one it's where he's thinking about relishing the opportunity to train her because he yeah. thought it would be her that would be the one to step up which again makes total sense but the fact that it was Luke and he's like ah this kid's brash you know so yeah it was it was nice it was, it was a a short but really yeah great look into Yoda's mind in that short amount of time so how about you
2: yeah yeah I completely agree I think the thing I like the most was that like it does kind of just because like, there is always a disconnect where it's like why is Yoda like acting so crazy <laughs> like he's just acting like a weird like little dude yeah. when he's just like so calm and collected every other time that we've seen him. So I like that. Yeah. That was intentional. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. For sure. My favorite line from this one, I think, was um Luke Skywalker's form had yet to be set in one mold or another. His glory or downfall were yet downfall were yet to be defined. Which I, I thought that was really interesting, especially knowing like what happens in Last Jedi. Um uh, and then there's kind of been, you know, like the end of the Mandalorian You know, talking about like how that ended where it's like hopeful, but then you also know like how much Luke struggled. I don't know. I just thought those were like some nice foreshadowing there where like he's constantly struggling and it's almost like a repeat of Anakin in some ways.
0: Definitely. That's kind of where my favorite line is. It's when he does recognize R2D2. So he says, R2D2, of course the boy had Anakin's old droid with him. Such cycles of fate no longer surprised the 900 year old Jedi. So, mm-hmm. A, it proves that, yeah, it's no big deal. Like, R2D2's with Luke. Like, that should be a, oh my gosh, like, that's really cool. You know, he has. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, uh, doesn't really surprise me anymore, you know, because it just (laughs) like everything keeps repeating itself. Mm -hmm. And and it really makes me think of cameos and surprises and things like that that we get in throughout Star Wars, where it's Mm -hmm. like the Mandalorian just happened to find this force sensitive being, right? Mm -hmm. And BB-8 just happened to like come up on Ray, and it just mm-hmm. like those things just come together and it's always that like wow that was lucky right right <laughs> but, but, you know like these are cycles like we shouldn't be surprised by this stuff in the smallest of ways and like I, I won't get into the Rise of Skywalker but it made me feel like just a tiny bit better of Palpatine being there and just being there and, mm-hmm. and like so it's kind of meta in that way for me at least of like it's the cycles of fate. Why are we surprised? Like mm-hmm. it's just gonna keep going. So yeah, that's 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 why I like that line for sure. So do you wanna go first on the scale of one to ten for this one?
2: Yeah, I'd probably I don't know, I'd probably do this one lower, like maybe a two. <laughs> I don't know. That seems kind of mean, but like it's a good story, but I think yeah. compared to some of the other ones, um that were a little stronger and probably gave a little bit more like insight. But I think, you know, the whole, like I said, the biggest thing for me was just like kind of sh- showing some input into like why Yoda is acting like the way that he is. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, definitely. I gave this one a little bit higher. I gave this one an eight because I think doesn't change how I look at it necessarily, mm-hmm. but it is one where every time I watch it, I will probably think of this story because yeah. it always has been a, especially if you watch like one through six or one through nine even Mm -hmm. it's like what's up with yoda why is he doing this (laughs) super weird right now like that's really out of character you know but it makes me feel yeah a little bit better about that where it's like no he was doing that on purpose just to mess with luke which was which was really funny Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) so what i told you was true From a certain point
0: of view. Okay. So our next story is Disturbance by Mike Chen. This is Mike's first time writing in Star Wars. He is the author of "Here and Now, and Then, and A Beginning at the End. He also has a book coming out on January 21st titled We Could Be Heroes. One of the facts listed on his website also is that he grew up wanting to be an X-Wing pilot, like so many other Star Wars fans. I love when... People are huge nerds about Star Wars and they and like following him on Twitter was really awesome the past couple months because he was just so excited to share this story with everyone. Mm-hmm. So this story is told from Palpatine's point of view immediately before he summons Darth Vader when he says he sensed a great disturbance in the force. The Force Vision finds Luke Skywalker killing the Emperor at Vader's command, and the two of them taking over and ruling the galaxy. The Empire realizes who Luke really is, Vader's son, but decides to let Vader go on with his quest to find him, believing that Palpatine would still be the one who could turn him to the dark side. So, what were your overall reactions on this one?
2: Oh, man. This one just hit me with feelings, and i was not was <laughs> not ready for that yeah. <laughs> um yeah I, I i was really surprised by this, I think, um, just like knowing that Palpatine did know, um, and then, yeah, I mean, the whole vision thing, like you know, him seeing Padme, you know what he thinks about like Luke and like how his like reunite. Like, him reuniting with Luke, how that would, like, go in his mind. It, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just, like, overcome with emotion. i like, oh, my god. It
0: was. <laughs> it, the, the part with Padme. Yeah. Was, was, like, oh, wow. And then she, like, fades away because, mm-hmm. like, you know, that, like, that can't be real. But, yeah. yeah it was very – the imagery was really good. Mm-hmm. And it took me – the first time I read it, I remember I, – Thinking like what? What's going on? Like what? Yeah, I did the same. You kind of have to read it. Yeah, you like get to the very <laughs> end of the story. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that. That makes sense now. But then you read it again. You're like, oh wow. Like that's that was really good. But yeah, it was really um, kind of a not really a risk because it is a short story and it's you know from a certain point of view. But a force vision inside Palpatine's head like mm-hmm. that is that's pretty intense and like getting yeah. to know exactly what that great disturbance was. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, yeah, it was, it was super vague, which makes sense because all force visions that we see, like can be interpreted so many different ways. So to see it like that was really good. But yeah, the, the part that really stuck out to me was just when Luke enters the chamber Mm -hmm. and kills the Royal guards and then starts choking, force choking the emperor. Mm -hmm. And then the Emperor tries to get his lightsaber, and Luke catches it midair and, like, stabs him with it. It's just, like, the imagery with that was was so good. And, yeah, that moment between Vader, Luke, and and Padme was, mm-hmm. was definitely intense. But, yeah, it was, it was a good look at the inside of Palpatine's brain. Yeah, sure. which
2: I really like that he took that angle because especially the part about like when he was talking about Padme, like just basically like the disdain that he had (laughs) for her, like seeing that, You mean, you know, obviously if it had been like Vader's perspective, it would have been more emotional and like sad, which is kind of what you would expect. But then the fact that, it was through Palpatine's mind. It was like such an interesting way for him to like analyze the moment and just feel like, oh yeah, Padme.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was, and he was like, oh, of course, or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, yeah, of course, he's like, that's that's his thing, you know. That's mm-hmm. made his thing. So yeah, it was really good. Uh, What was your favorite line?
2: Yes, favorite line. Okay, so it was the disturbance, the fierce defense of the vision within the ethereal chaos, the desire, the need for secrecy, not just a strategic endeavor, but an explosion of emotion that ripped through the force itself. I just thought that was like really powerful.
0: Yeah. That was
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's like we don't really know like what a disturbance in the force is, yeah. um, and I mean they can be different things, obviously. Because I mean, I guess we've heard like when really violent things happen, but it's like the description of like that feeling was really interesting.
0: Yeah, seeing the inside of what that is, it it also like especially now like that line really makes me think of Grogu. And mm. think of the episode where he gets taken when, where he's on that rock and he's mm-hmm. like meditating and like the whole thing. It's like, so he was seeing something like mm-hmm. what, you know, he wasn't just like dialing someone and it was just like ringing. Like he was yeah. seeing something. Right. So mm-hmm. I was like, what, what is he looking at? You know? And yeah, it is, that was, that's a really, really good line. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine was towards the end of the story and it was talking about how Palpatine was planning on grooming Luke to be a new Mm -hmm. apprentice or how he that's what his kind of end game here. So it says, then Vader would eventually make a mistake. He always did and Palpatine would step in and exploit it. He would be the one to propel Luke to the true potential of his bloodline over his father's final rasping breath. And Palpatine thinking that he would be able to use Luke as his next apprentice because he thought that's what that bloodline meant that like that cycle of skywalkers it was kind of the ultimate like this whole line was kind of the ultimate from a certain point of view because he's really he's correct in everything he just said that he would propel luke to the true potential of his bloodline he just thought his bloodline was supposed to be dark but his bloodline that was not you know what it was and the fact that he says over his father's final rasping breath like same thing like that's actually what happened mm-hmm. but it's for all the wrong reasons for Palpatine so yeah I thought that was him saying this and thinking this and being correct but yeah. at the same time being so wrong was like that's why this book is called <laughs> from a certain point of view like right. that's why, you know Obi-Wan said like yeah what I told you is true it's like yeah what what he said was true from a different point of view so mm-hmm. yeah I thought that was really good yeah Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how will this story make you view Empire differently?
2: I think so. I think this one was higher. I might give this one an 8. Because so I actually was rewatching like uh, Empire Strikes Back, like the chunk of these stories, like right before we did this. And this scene, like watching it with this context in mind was so fascinating because, I mean, like when Palpatine's like, You know, there's been a great disturbance and they're like talking like the hologram or whatever. Um, Like, I don't know. It's just like you have like the context and you can like read it and like, you know, invaders helmet like expression and then Palpatine's like expression. Like it's all very like knowing that he knows it just adds like a whole extra level of like sinister to it. Um, So that was really fascinating too kind of watch it again with that extra information. It just like made the whole performance seem like completely different.
0: Definitely. And that's, that's what I gave it to was an eight because yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it is such a big deal. It's really a big deal. That entire scene and the entire saga, because I I believe that's the first time that we actually see Palpatine in Mm -hmm. like from going from, you know, episode four on. And it's just such a turning point because it's like, Who's this guy? Like, why is Vader, mm-hmm. you know, bowing down to this guy? And mm-hmm. yeah, now that we get like all this, we already from this moment. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna turn this kid to the dark side, but he still lets Vader go on with mm-hmm. everything because he's, he's like, well, Vader's gonna mess it up. So yeah, I right, like, just <laughs> let him do his thing. He always messes right. it up. Like he always makes a mistake. Let him do his thing. He'll bring him to me. I'll turn him. It'll all be good. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was right there with you. A certain point of view.
2: Uh, The next story is This Is No Cave by Catherine M. Valenti. Uh, So Catherine is the New York Times bestselling author of speculative fiction and poetry, including space opera, the refrigerator monologues, the Orphan's Tale series, and the crowdfunded phenomenon The Girl Who Circumnavigated Fairyland and A Ship of Own Making. Uh, This Is No Cave is Catherine's first time writing in the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, so this story follows the asteroid-dwelling a giant space worm named Sayo, I think. Uh, Sayo reflects on its long and lonely life, and we learn more about its Minot companions and its budding new friendship, question mark, uh, with a small crew and a light freighter that landed inside of it. <laughs> Yeah, I have this story this story like yeah. Oh man, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cute." And then I was like crying at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's like, "How did this get so deep and beautiful and poetic and yeah. like it, sad?"
0: <laughs> it started off super like kind of weird and like mm-hmm. positive. And yeah, then, yeah it, it was like at the end I was like my god it, a, <laughs> it, it happens so many times in this book where you feel so bad for that like what you thought was a monster right and it's like this was a baby <laughs> right <laughs> like, like it's what everyone talks about on twitter it's like oh it's just a baby it's like no this is like a baby <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, just, it is yeah this is so good i was extremely sad that the moment where sayo thought they had butterflies
2: mm-hmm yeah. and
0: like presented it to all the friends and all the other creatures and they're mm-hmm. like oh no, like you idiot those aren't butterflies like those are minox those are nasty it's just like bullies
2: rude i know it's terrible yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> mad
0: but yeah she That i do love that she makes that like super strong connection with mm-hmm. the falcon once once the falcon's inside him but then again she makes this super strong connection and then they leave, and she's like, "Why are they leaving me? Like, what did I do? Did I do something wrong?" Yeah. It's like, this is it. It got yeah, but it was very, very poetic, like you said. How how it was written, it was just yeah, it was sad. It's sad. Just me thinking about it right now.
2: Yeah, it's like really existential. <laughs> for yeah. Some of the worst. Like.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a good word for it for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, I think my favorite line from this, speaking of existential, my favorite line from this one was, uh, Sayo would meet its beloveds again. It would meet the atoms that had once been them, which was no different. And the incandescence it had sensed reverberating through the woman, it would find them again. And they would laugh at the ancient times long past these griefs that once seemed so important. (laughs) It's like, are you describing like base heaven, like becoming one with the like, yeah man (laughs) it's not ready for that
0: insane it's that's it's so weird like thinking about all these stories like the wampa story like the tauntauns like all these monsters and it's just like none of them are monsters like they're not monsters i just want friends like it's just it's, it's it's just so sad but yeah mine is pretty soon after sayo swallows the falcon in the asteroid field so it says, one of the beings inside Sayo glowed incandescent with it, as steady as her own heartbeat. And so, in those moments, as dear as darkness, Sayo glowed too. And like I talked about with Leia in the Yoda story, how there's so many mentions of Leia, like that strong force that Leia has, like anywhere mm-hmm. she goes. I just love that that keeps getting brought up and brought up. And like the Tauntaun earlier in the book had this strong connection with her. Mm-hmm. And yoda was hoping to train her because you know she was she was so strong and everything and yeah i just i thought i just i love that line of them like having the same heartbeat her Mm. growing and it's just yeah very poetic and just so weird for a for a space slug to Mm. to uh, think about
2: yeah i'm glad you picked that line because that was probably like my second favorite one
0: so yeah for sure (laughs) yeah how about uh on a scale of one to ten what about for this one
2: i don't know probably eight or nine uh, yeah
0: <laughs>
2: i f- yeah i don't know i mean we don't see a lot of the giant space lug the outside of it at least um but yeah i don't know i feel like it just changes the whole like it just makes you feel things and it just makes you feel more things like again when i was rewatching it and like han shot it because he was trying to figure out Like, what would happen? (laughs) I was like, no, stop. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it and then, you know, and then not only does it like help change the context of like, that scene, but then also just like, in general, just how the force works and stuff. (laughs) Like, like, kind of going more into like, you know, the force connection with creatures that we've seen, you know, a few times in different like shows and stuff. But i um, just kind of touching on that more and then like the force afterlife. And I, I don't know. <laughs> it was just a lot.
0: Yeah, no, it was. And the fact that it was like decades later, mm-hmm. it was still thinking about them and it was just like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I gave it an eight too. I just, I, I'll feel nothing but sadness from right. now on uh, for the exit like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just all these creatures. I, I won't be able to look at, Mm-hmm. After it. it's like what are they going to do in return of the jedi you know like what creatures are they going to make us feel like really bad for and like cry over because <laughs> yeah it's just just very very tragic but that's i mean that's star wars so you know all the all the main characters have to go through so much tragedy so why not all the all the creatures too Mm -hmm. i
2: also just love that when the authors are picking stories for these they're just like i want to write about like the sad monster like i want to give them a tragic backstory (laughs) it's just so (laughs) interesting to
0: me Me i really would love to just like know the behind the scenes on like all of these why did you pick this It, it just yeah there's so many so many
1: cool angles that they take throughout these so yeah just so good so what i told you was true From a certain point of view.
0: So our next story is Lord Vader Will See You Now by John Jackson Miller. John Jackson Miller is a veteran in the Star Wars universe, penning several Star Wars publications, including the Knights of the Old Republic and knight Errant comic series, as well as the novels Kenobi and A New Dawn. So this story follows Ray Sloan, who has appeared in several Star Wars stories, including the Aftermath trilogy, and her first appearance was in... John Jackson Miller's novel, A New Dawn. Rey is ordered to speak with Darth Vader, but finds newly appointed Admiral Piet waiting for her. She had just returned from a mission to find her ship, the Ultimatum, destroyed in the asteroid field. Rather than returning to the fleet, she investigates further to find dead Minox floating in space. They find out that one of the Minox was killed with a blaster, leading Vader to realize the Millennium Falcon is still out there. So in the end, Rey is given command of a Star Destroyer, that big twist was supposed to be saved for piet's nephew so she gets a little revenge on there so what were your overall reactions for this one
2: yeah i i like this one so this actually was my first um like time reading anything with ray Sloan in it um because i like you i'm behind on all of the books. <laughs> I have a bad habit of buying all the books and then, like, not getting around to reading yep, yep. them.
0: So, <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been hearing about Ray for a really long time. So, I was excited that she was in this and I could actually, like, experience one of her stories. And I think she's an awesome character. And I thought the story was interesting, you know, anything that is has to do with, like, kind of the behind the scenes until, like, how the Empire operates is always interesting. Yeah, I thought it was That was good.
0: Yeah, I did too. I'm kind of the same way. I have read, I can't remember which Aftermath book, but I haven't read all of them (laughs) yet. I'm like the same thing, like in the middle, like I have them all, but I just haven't done it. But kind of the same way, like not super familiar other than the race Sloan super fans on like Twitter and stuff that like always talk about her. I'm like, God, that is such a cool character. And I've like hardly met her. So yeah, it was good to kind of get to know her a little bit. And the premise with the Minox was just really interesting and out there kind of where there's another story in the middle of you're like what where is this going what are they (laughs) doing with these Minox you know Mm -hmm. this is so weird why why are we talking about this but the way it all wraps up in the end and like she solved this big mystery that Mm -hmm. solved I, I thought was was really good and the dynamic between her and Piet was just really good just their back and forth and hearing them just have that, those conversations and then in the end like ray being right and getting command of his nephew's ship was just a good s- slap in the face to pee it because he's just mm-hmm. like, that smug dude like there, there's a story about him in this and it's just you don't need to root for that guy like you know yeah so so yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your favorite line in this one?
2: Yeah, so mine was uh, "You two in there? There's a body to carry out." At her words, the troopers took a half step backward. Relax, she said, smirk barely visible. It's just the knock. <laughs> which I I'm here for. Like storm, like poor stormtroopers are just like always going through it. And any yeah. <laughs> any kind of humor like that, it just always tickles me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that so. was that was the same exact. Line that I had actually, really, yeah. <laughs> so it was like right there at the end, and it it really wrapped that story because she explains earlier in the in the story where she's like, she has the two stormtroopers following her to go see Vader, and she's like, I've seen this before. A lot of times it ends up with someone's body being dragged out by these poor stormtroopers that, like you said, like they're just thrown into it, and they they would the, the, yeah, and stormtroopers. It, it reminds me a lot of so many instances, instances really, but especially in The Force Awakens when Kylo Ren's like having his outburst, you know, with his lightsaber, and the, the lights, yeah, like the, mm-hmm. the trooper comes around the corner and he just like backs away slowly. It's like that's who these guys are; they're just random yeah. dudes in these, you know, in these stormtrooper outfits. So yeah, I thought that was thought that was good. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's exactly the same energy that it reminded me of too.
0: <laughs> Uh, even the mandalorian where yeah. <laughs> in in chapter i can't even keep them straight episode six of this season where bill burr's character <laughs> shoots the dude and like they turn around and there's just that one empire guy not even a stormtrooper but he's like standing there with his tray like uh oh like what did i just see <laughs> just yeah just <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so funny mm-hmm. on a scale of one to ten what's your rating here on how you'll view anything differently this one might be lower,
2: maybe like a four. I feel like all my numbers are so arbitrary. <laughs> know,
0: just, it's hey, hard. podcast is arbitrary, so you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so I mean, I really, I feel like this is more of like a raise story. And like, it's cool that she solved the mystery and stuff, but also, like, it just seems like kind of small compared to some of the other things. So,
0: yeah, I don't uh-huh. I, I, know. I, I gave this one a three because yeah kind of the same reasons i i think just because i'll think of the mynock like mynock mm-hmm. the that they shoot off of the falcon that it's like yeah. that mynock was sneezed basically out of the space slug's nose mm-hmm. floated through space someone found it and like plopped it down on the ground in and mm-hmm. and like vader was there and they were all like smelling it and everything so mm-hmm. yeah so i gave it a gave it a three there so. yeah
2: glad we're on the same page
0: <laughs> a certain point of view
2: all right so the next story is virgins by tracy dion uh, so tracy is the new york times bestselling author of her debut contemporary fantasy novel legend which is very good um and as a second generation fangirl she also appeared in the docuseries looking for leia and she's one of my really good friends uh, and this is her first time writing in the star wars universe which is super cool. So, uh, her story is told from the perspective of the Cave of Evil on Dagoba. The cave has had many visitors in its long lifetime, and essentially feeds on their force energy and uses their memories, thoughts, and fears to manipulate them. It likes fear the most. We learn that during his stay Dagobah, Yoda ventured inside the cave many times. The cave reflects on these visits and gives Luke his vision as well. And the cave realizes that Yoda has returned so many times in order to confront his fear and use it as lessons. And then the two of them sort, sort of form
0: like a mutual respect.
2: I love this story. <laughs> not biased or anything.
0: I was going to yeah, say, you want to go ahead and just like get, get your reactions, you, you can you can take this one first.
2: Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I just remember um, when I found out that she was going to write about the cave, I was like, you're going to do awesome stuff with this because that is, I don't know, it's such an interesting concept. But yeah, I mean, I love this. I love all the like references in it, you know, where it has like stuff from like the prequels and the Clone Wars and you kind of get more insight into Yoda as well, which I think ties in nicely to some of the other stories where it kind of... Um, where that like focuses on Yoda and kind of explains like why he is the way he is. Um, and how he, I think it's kind of easy to interpret that like Yoda just was like on Dagobah because he was trying to hide from everything. And I like how this shifts the perspective to, he was, he found the cave basically and was using it as like an opportunity to like grow and reflect and like do better basically. Yeah. Uh, so that was really cool. And yeah, I mean, any like weird force stuff. um like talking about like basically how the force works in this cave was really cool um and also kind of a nice parallel to like ray's like force experience as well where you know you could you could say like a similar like energy kind of thing was happening there which is cool so 100
0: this this was probably my and like again not not biased or anything but i think that when i first got this book like that's where i flipped to straight Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, forget, you know, I was like I have to read this first because yeah it was it was Tracy but also like the cave of evil is like mm-hmm. it's so cool it's like such a cool concept and mm-hmm. you don't like literally going into it you don't know anything like what to expect mm-hmm. and but now after reading it it's like you can't think of it anyway else like that's that story you know mm-hmm. it was just like again like the imagery mm-hmm. was so good and. The one that that really sticks out to me, the the part was about Yoda's past fears, where it talks about Dooku and yeah. the stormtroopers or the clone troopers, and mm. then the blue and white smoke, you know, of Ahsoka or the blue, orange, and white smoke of Ahsoka mm. is just like, ah, like that's so good. It just yeah, it's, right in the feelings. Yeah, for sure. You could just you could just like see all of that happening,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the way I and I've talked about this on the podcast a lot before, but the way I know that I'm going to like a Star Wars story. If I immediately think of Last Jedi, like the la- Last Jedi, it makes me think of so many instances of Star Wars in general, like that mm-hmm. before it, but mm-hmm. then after the Last Jedi, like if something relates back to that, like I I'm going to love it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is about fear and it's about failure and mm-hmm. you know Yoda's last lesson to Luke about, you know, the greatest teacher failure is it's like, mm-hmm. that's, yoda learned that here like because he even mm-hmm. like kept doing this so yeah it was it was just so po- poetic that like that was his final lesson to luke in mm-hmm. the time, right? and we see that playing out so that uh, just yeah it was great I, I can't can't say enough good things about it but it's like this entire story is this is why yoda is yoda like yeah you know, like it this okay. it, like defines his character more than we've seen I think because yeah yep. we have a really like we've seen a lot of Yoda we've got that good grasp but like mm-hmm. he teaches the cave of evil a lesson you know right like, yeah <laughs> one, like Yoda did that and then he teaches that's like yeah I can't say enough good things about it mm-hmm and also, yeah, like go get Legendborn because that's really good too. Yes. And, yes. I highly. Like whole other <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. four hours. <laughs> that could be like a bonus fourth time episode of the first mm-hmm. non Star Wars thing I've ever talked about because, yeah, it's very, very good. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, So, my favorite line I mean, the whole thing is my favorite line. Yeah, I, know,
0: I was the same way, like making notes. I was like, I don't highlight, but I like take notes. And I was like, found myself writing every line down. It was just. Yeah. yeah very good
2: yeah um but if i had to pick one um i had so over time we had both sought dark apparitions had we not yoda always worked to confront his inner darkness while i always worked to show it because we both desire the manifestation of fear different methods for the same ends alongside not against a dance a push and pull i was like that is the most perfect way to describe the force ever. Uh, <laughs> like, like, that's it. That's just summed up. Yeah. Like the force is this neutral thing, and there are just, like, two sides that are just, like, like doing the same things and, like, have this crazy, intricate, intertwined history with each other to, like, meet their own ends. But they're also kind of doing the same thing sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. Like just those couple (laughs) lines she nailed it. Yeah.
0: I got goosebumps when you were reading that. Like that's uh, so (laughs) good. Like I said, like so many, so many good lines from this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mine was when Yoda says, it's actually like dialogue from him to the cave. He says, Old fears are these, stubborn, but see them I must. Yoda stands against his tormentors, nodding not at them, but at me. My thanks you have, he says to the cave. So it's like, this is where it it even says like right after this line that the cave is like kind of pissed off. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Right. Did did this creature like just like school me? Like what, what is that kind of flips it on its head? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But it, it just Yoda had broken through to this millennial or millenniums old cave that had seen the Sith before it was called the Sith and the Jedi before they were called like all this stuff and all these different people that had come and gone and not come back and like yoda chooses to stay there and yeah it just the way that that leads in to the end of the story where you know the the cave's last lesson or the last thought that it learns is alliance and it's like Mm -hmm. there's that like alliance that yoda built with this cave of supposedly evil but Mm how do we know that anymore? So right. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was just ah, so good. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> so what about on a scale of one to 10 for this one?
2: Well, cause I'm biased and the numbers are arbitrary. I gave yeah. this one a 10.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Again, the weird force stuff, I just, I eat that up. That's my favorite stuff. And yeah, I mean, again, this, it enlightens, like, not only the scene, like, explaining basically, like, how it gave the vision to Luke and Empire. Um, but, you know, again, like, this whole, week like, we learn, we unlock all these different things about Yoda, and then it kind of informs, like, The Last Jedi and just all of, it just touches on everything. and does such a good job, so
0: yeah i i i was the same way i gave it a 10 too so i i'll definitely this is going to be the one i revisit the most too yeah it's just such a i've read it a lot of times already and it seems like every time i read it i kind of catch something else or it makes me yeah. like think of something differently which again is how you know like it's a good story because i'm going to talk about the last jedi all the time but Every time I watch that movie, still I'm I'm like catching new things, or I'm like yeah. thinking about things differently. And that this this definitely like gives me that vibe. But yeah, not even just with the Force Vision scene for Luke, but like all scenes on Dagobah. Now mm-hmm. like that's why he was there. And even like going back to the Clone Wars when Yoda was mm-hmm. you know, visited there and Qui Gon. Like I love that we got Qui Gon in this story. Like yeah, say anything yeah. about that, but yeah, we got Qui Gon in this story. You know where the cave is talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I gave it a ten okay.
1: So what I told you was true from a certain point of view.
0: So our next story is Tooth and Claw by Michael Kogi. Michael is a screenwriter and author who has written for several Star Wars projects, including the Star Wars Adventure Journal, Star Wars Gamer Magazine, and the Star Wars Edge of the Empire role-playing game. He also authored a series of Star Wars Rebels chapter books, adapting episodes from the series' first season. And he served as a head writer for the groundbreaking AR video game Star Wars Jedi Challenges, which I have. And that game is so fun, and it was so cool to learn that, that he has that, because me and my daughter, it's like this really... It's not like a huge cohesive story, but it like has different lines and yeah, you put on the headset and you have like a lightsaber and you like, yeah, you like block and you have like lightsaber battles. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, my daughter is obsessed with that game. loves it. Yeah. That sounds fun. It's it's so good. But yeah, this story is from the point of view of Bosk, the Trandoshan bounty hunter who is among the group summoned by the empire to find the millennium Falcon. Bosk is on the hunt for the famous Wookiee, in quotes, named Chainbreaker as he receives a call from the Empire, but the call cuts off halfway through. He follows his mission to find Chainbreaker, but when he finds her, the major twist is that she is actually a Trandoshan and his sister. She has the rest of his call, but makes him promise to stop hunting Wookiees for good, leaving him with that choice as he heads to meet with Darth Vader. So what were your overall reactions to this one?
2: Yeah, this one was, I think this, like you were saying earlier, sometimes they just kind of go off, (laughs) like go off in these really crazy directions. And I think this was definitely one of them. Um, It almost like didn't feel Star Wars, maybe because it was like heisty kind of, which I mean, that's not a bad thing. I think that was cool. Yeah. Um, like it kind of was like a heist story and then you had this like family drama, yeah. which was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I liked it and I really liked the Chainbreaker was a really cool, interesting character. And I was like, I want to see more of her. Yeah. <laughs> so like her whole like mission and like, she just, I don't know, she just sounds super cool all around. So.
0: Yeah. I never thought we'd get a story kind of waxing poetic about the history of Trandoshans and Wookiees. Right, yeah. And, like, how that entire history, that they're mortal enemies, basically. And the whole scene where Bosk is, like, going on the ship, and he goes gets on the ship, and it's clearly a Wookiee ship, because it's, like, wooden. There's trees and stuff on the ship. It's just, like, mm-hmm. very Wookiee-esque. And he goes through and, like, takes out all these Wookies. he thinks. And it's, it is, like, very heisty. Gets to the bridge. It felt very... When everything started to come together for Bosk and when it clicked, mm-hmm. it felt very like the usual suspects with Kaiser Soze. The way that it started clicking when he's in the bridge, and he sees first that it's a Trandoshan, he's like, what the heck? And he starts thinking in his head, why didn't those Wookiees have bowcasters? Why was it all wooden and everything out there. But then I come into this bridge and it's like really technologically advanced and just all this stuff, learning all these things that Bosque was learning at the same time was just a lot of fun. And it would kind of like kept you on your toes where you're like, what, where is this go? What is this? What's happening? And then when it all clicks, it's like, Oh my gosh, that's why all these things were dragged out. That scene where he's going through the hallway to the ship, it's like very long. You're like, What's, where's this going what's the point of this and yeah it was just just really good and then another part was that when we find out that dasha Nalawuk i believe is is her name we find out that she was raised by wookies and that her pretty much mother bought her egg from a trandoshan for Kowakian rum her parents sold her off for drinking money. Like i never heard this before. (laughs) Exactly. It was was like, there's another Last Jedi reference. It's like, yeah, her parents actually did sell her off for for drinking money. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Just twist after twist after twist. And it was like just a mini movie. And yeah, you're right. It did kind of like not feel super Star Wars, but I I think that's what's fun. A lot of these stories, like it doesn't really have to follow a lot of that. And the fact we see Bosk for, three seconds and Empire Strikes Back. It's yeah. like you get this whole, like, 20-page story was was just so much fun.
2: Yeah. And I appreciate it, too, because I feel like we don't know that much about Bosque in general. And I feel like they could have easily just gone the direction of, like, oh, I going to do this super cool... like VA mission and like kick everyone's butt and do all this stuff but it's like no in the story like he gets his butt handed to him like he has this like intense family drama he learns like a moral lesson (laughs) like Uh, like it was was a lot of like really good development um you're right somebody you see for like half a second like immediately after this (laughs) story
0: so exactly that's a good call it's very it's very similar to the Mandalorian where going into the Mandalorian, you're like, okay, like I, I've said this a lot, but I wasn't like super excited. Like I was because it was Star Wars, but I was like, I really don't care about Mandalorians like bounty hunting. Like I'm not like super. And I'm I'm more like, like into the weird force stuff. Mm -hmm. And when we see the Mandalorian in chapter two, get his butt kicked by the Jawas and you're like, Oh, and then he like, obviously his story throughout, but yeah, it's kind of the same thing here. It's like, Bosque easily could have just went out and captured another bounty, but we get this whole like family drama. So yeah, that's a a really good call. Uh, Mm -hmm. What was your favorite line in this one?
2: Uh, The line was, maybe the galaxy was indeed changing and he was getting swept up in it. I thought that was Uh, pretty cool.
0: The way it wrapped everything together.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And yeah, it's like kind of meta too. It is,
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: That was really good. Where it's
2: just like it's just funny because in his context, he's just like, "Oh yeah, maybe we can get past our differences between our like two species." And it's like, no, like the empire, like you know, the empire is gonna like fall right after that, and it's gonna be so much like on a larger scale than that. And,
0: yes. You know, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Mine comes right after Bosk finds out that Chainbreaker is a Trandoshan and that Chewie's dad actually mentored her as well so he said it says bosk wasn't one who often had doubts or misgivings life for him was easy and he liked it that way it was hunt or be hunted shoot first and never never ask questions yet now his head was full of questions questions about his father and his supposed sister questions about his place in all this mess he found himself in a state he rarely experienced he was totally and utterly confused and it was the same thing Really like the Mandalorian, where it's mm-hmm. like when he met Grogu, he started having all these internal mm-hmm. "what doing?" you know, type of type of thing. And the way that yeah, he was just totally confused, and he's looking for that line about questions about his place and all this mess it reminded me again of Ray in the Last Jedi. i just mm-hmm. like, I want to show me my place in all this. Like, I, I don't know what my role is, and that he's starting to actually think about more than just being a bounty hunter and hunter be hunted was was really good. But yeah, it really it summed up the whole story because Bosque's entire world at the end is just like comes crashing down. Like everything he once knew doesn't he has no idea what's what's right now because yeah, this supposed big rivalry with the Wookiees isn't what it seems. And, you know, he's been mm-hmm. all these lies. So yeah. And it was really humanizing for Bosk <laughs> again. Right. Humanizes one of our, one of our monsters, one of our creatures. So yeah, mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. So how did you rate this one?
2: Maybe somewhere in the middle, like a five, I guess. Cause I feel like it doesn't really connect with yeah. the story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it connects with some of like the bigger picture stuff and it's like setting up things, but it's also kind of like its own thing. Yo. Yeah.
0: yeah, I was I was right in the middle. I gave it a four. And again, it's like whose line is it anyway? Like the right. points <laughs> don't matter. <laughs> it's all made up. The points don't matter or whatever they say. Yeah. Pretty much where we're at. But yeah, same thing. Like he gets so little screen time, but it was really, really cool to see like the history of Trandoshans versus mm-hmm. rookies and that whole heist story. I'm sure in those three seconds that we see Bosk, I will probably 50% of the time think about this story. So mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Definitely.
0: A certain point of view.
2: So the last story is Stet um, by Daniel Jose Older. Uh, so Daniel is another author with experience in the Star Wars galaxy, writing the tie-in novel to Solo c- titled Last Shot, as well as a story in the first From a Certain Point of View book called Born in the Storm. He's being featured in the higher public, which is the new era of Star Wars publications. Uh, so this story, this story is a really interesting format. Um, it's kind of in the form of like a journalist journalistic article written by Parazine Parappa about two highly respectable, respectable gentlemen of unimpeachable character, which is Zuckus and Forlom. And it says that they ask for your money for a vague, but unquestionably good cause throughout the article, there are annotations and edits by chief editor droid of the Galactic Digest TK seven. And then in the story, we hear about Parazine's encounter with the two bounty hunters before they get their bounty hunt assignment from Vader. Yeah, this one was great. It just was mostly hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> I I was like, I have no idea how this connects to anything, but it's so entertaining in the way that it was done.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: So, yeah.
0: I was the same way. I Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older is one of my favorite Star Wars books because it is mm-hmm. so funny. Like, it is in my opinion, like the funniest Star Wars book. Like I, mm-hmm. books, I don't laugh out loud, but there was times in Last Shot and there was times in this one where I was like, this is so stupid, but it's so funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I can't get over the title of this article that yeah, you know, he's writing about the highly respectable gentleman asking for money for a vague, you know, of unimpeachable character for a vague, but unquestionably good cause. Like just starting it off with that is like, Okay, this, this is going to be different for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, another thing too. The main character is a Friznoth, which is a character from Last Shot as well. And they wear these big spacesuits. And kind of the twist in, in this one was that this Friznoth ends up on Vader's ship with the bounty hunters under, I think it was under Zuckus's coat. And mm-hmm yeah just the whole the whole scene where they're in the in the diner and Frizoff is there with the two droids and this other guy Voss I think was his name the other dude comes in and he's just like super shady like right off the bat and it's like you can feel everyone like getting kind of nervous and then his grandpa comes in and like chops this dude's head off and like things get wild but then there's like a really touching moment between grandson and grandpa and it's just like all these things happen i was like what does this have to do with anything i don't care that it doesn't like right. that's what these stories are for but yeah and the fact that the editor droid throughout the story you can feel getting more nervous and more nervous like throughout which is so funny
2: yeah it, it definitely started off as like it kind of gave me like new or like detective style kind of vibes. And then it's like a mob story or there's just like a shootout, in like this diner or whatever. And you're like, yeah. wow, that escalated like extremely quickly. And then, yeah, you're right. Like how the editor, you can tell is just feeling more uncomfortable because he like starts off like doing comments, like every like three lines. And then by the end, there's only like a comment per page. Yeah. <laughs> Um and then he's just like, well, what is happening?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's great, good. It's what, so funny. What was your favorite line from this one?
2: This one was hard to find a favorite line because they just were all
0: yeah,
2: like great. Um, I liked. I think all the annotations are my favorite though. <laughs> the one that made me laugh a lot the most was when he just had the little note that was like, call the office right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the very towards the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was. The editor droid. I, we got so many characters in this short story. Yeah. You know, somewhat our main characters are supposed to be for LOM or for Lom and Zuckus, but it's kind of about this Frisnock yeah. and, and his grandpa. And then the editor is there to like be this uh, just added presence, which was really funny. Mine was the same, it was one where he crossed out and it was right after grandpa mozine shows up and disrupts everything by killing this guy and so parazine is that his name parazine parazine parapa
2: yeah that's how i was thinking in my brain <laughs>
0: yeah, so it says in truth this turn of events while exciting may ruin the story i am working on i sit perfectly still which is easy to do in a mech suit and let it all play out. What else can I do? But I feel the larger truth I've been searching for slipping away like so many grains of desert sand. And the part like so many grains of desert sand is cropped out. And TK seven just says calm down. Like yeah. <laughs> chill out. You're getting a little too so like good. yeah <laughs> poetic about this. Situation. You're getting
2: too Anakin. Yeah. You need to know.
0: Exactly. Yeah, just that calm down was was mm-hmm. really funny to me. Yeah. For this one, I I gave this one a three again, just because yeah we hardly see these two droids. It's so funny, like the bounty hunters in this movie, they all got action figures and they got like super hyped up, and then you see them for like two seconds. Yeah, they they just have so little screen time, but I think I will. A lot of times, think of this tiny Friznoth in mm-hmm. that scene under zuckus's coat, hanging out trying to get the rest of his story and mm-hmm. yeah, all this was really good
2: mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah i think i probably would rate it the same like a four maybe for the same reason like it's great it doesn't have a whole lot to do <laughs> with yeah. that first fact that's not a bad thing um yeah. but yeah just like, that yeah. little extra detail is hilarious and i like that it's its kind of own thing so
0: definitely i'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with his high republic stories too yeah. and how he brings that humor into because i and i haven't read i have again have two of the books but i haven't started reading yet but i i feel like it's going to be kind of heavy right off the bat because there's so many new characters and just a lot to learn because it's a brand new era that we know virtually nothing about so i feel like it's going to be kind of heavy in that regard but the way he brings humor in i'm just yeah i'm ready to see what he does with that because his stuff is just just so funny yeah
2: yeah Yeah, he's hilarious. His Twitter
0: always cracks me up. (laughs) He's a very good follow for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think that wraps it up. That is part three of From a Certain Point of View, The Empire Strikes Back. And Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so fun. Uh, Such a good little hour and 10 minutes, I think, away from everything just to take a breather from everything that's going on and yeah so it was fun to kind of dig back into this and we've been playing on this for a long time so it's 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 nice that we uh that's we finally got to talk about it and um yeah can't thank you enough and if you can tell the people where they can find you anything you want to promote what you got going on
2: yeah, sure. So you can find me on Twitter at whimsy designs or on Instagram at miss period lists. Um, that's kind of the two places where I'm at the most, In terms of what I have going on, I mean, I'm basically just, like, trying to post stuff online, I guess. I have some things that I'm working on that it's still kind of early stages I can't really talk about. Um, Oh, actually, one thing I can talk about is, um, so I recently did some character sketches for uh, The Adventures of Zolan Dart, which is an audio drama that's coming out um, from the Dorky Divas show, Savannah. I assume you guys probably know um, Savannah and... Brian are coming out. That's pretty awesome. So I've done some, I'm going to do some more. I think we have some celestial sister stuff coming out, which is um, the collaboration I've been doing with Savannah and Tori. But yeah, I think those are the only things I can say right now.
0: (laughs) That's that's all great stuff. Yeah. I saw your sketches for that. They're so good. So cool. I'm really excited for that project. And
2: yeah, it's going to be awesome.
0: And I do have to say too, like your sketches for uh, Tracy, for legend born yes for those characters was just so good too and it really gave those characters just such a cool look so yeah um yeah i'll post all that stuff in the show notes definitely follow her on instagram and twitter and definitely check her stuff out because yeah so good i'm so so glad you came today very excited to uh get the chance to talk to you and yeah had a great time so thanks again. yeah me
2: too thanks so much
0: Cool. Well you can follow the show on Twitter at Force Time Pod. You can follow us on Instagram at Force time Pod. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, may the Force be with you.